Um, so let's jump into Ephesians. I really feel like we're going to finish the book tonight. Um, we're jumping into uh, 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 chapter six. We're at chapter six, verse one. Uh, and I believe we want to be able to get through all of this uh, tonight. So uh, let's jump right in. I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, children, uh, this is verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse two, honor your mother, uh, your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it might be well with you and you may live long on earth. Verse four, he says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So let's stop right there for a second. Um, so uh, uh, children, and this doesn't mean when you're, when, when you're small, I believe. I mean, in, when you are a child, even when you, you're, you're an adult and your parents are still uh, uh, living, it says that we are instructed to obey our parents, right? And we are instructed to obey our parents. We're instructed to honor our father and honor our mother, right? Number one, because it's right. It said, do this before it is right, right? And then it says it's the first commandment with the promise. And so when you look at the commandments, go to Deuteronomy, or you can write this down, um, and go to it later. Deuteronomy 5, uh, this is where you'll find this. Deuteronomy 5, 16. And, you know, the, the first few verses is where uh, God lays out the, the, what is called the Ten Commandments. But remember, it goes on, right? And so when you get down to verse 5, uh, 16, uh, it says, um, uh, uh, and so, you, I mean, you can read the, the, most of the entire law there, but I mean, this is in, included in it. It says, honor your father uh, and your mother, as the Lord uh, God has commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may be well with you in the land in which the Lord God is giving you. And this is, again, one of the first, he said it is the first command that has a promise to it, that if you honor your father and your mother, that it will be well with you and that your time here on earth will uh, be long. Verse four, he says, fathers do not provoke uh, your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of uh, the Lord. Uh, meaning that, you know, and it's funny because we'll see this even in the next uh, section is that, yes, the children have, have an obligation, but then he says, but then also fathers, you have an obligation and parents, you have an obligation. And it's interesting that sometimes you can see uh, a certain activity in a child and you're wondering, well, where's the, where's his father? And we see the effect of fatherless homes and we see the effect of kids being raised and their fathers um, are not there and how it has provoked kids unto wrath, right? Uh, as opposed to being trained uh, in, in the admin, uh, training and instruction and the admonition of the Lord. And so we see this stuff playing out in society. We see this stuff being played out in our communities and we see this stuff being played out um, even when it comes to not honoring your mother and your father uh, and that we see that there are people who are living lives and it is not, as the Bible says, not well with them. And it is because of disobedience and, and not honoring um, uh, parents. And we can see that. Verse five, bond servants, uh, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh with fear and trembling, uh, trembling in sincerity of heart as to Christ. So he says, those who are your masters, according to the flesh, meaning here, right? Now watch this verse six. He says, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same thing uh, 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 to them, giving up threatening uh, 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 knowing that your own master also is in heaven and there is no partiality uh, with him. Here's what's interesting about, about this verse too. And we want to make sure we make this clear um, that, that this scripture here, despite being used and misused throughout history, this is not the Bible or Christianity 
or God or Jesus or even Paul condoning or endorsing any type of slavery, okay? This is not anyone saying that it is okay. This is not anyone saying that you, that you should be a slave. If, you, if you're being enslaved, then you should be. No, no, this is not any of that, okay? You got to remember that, the, that, the, the, that doctrine was covered in the first half of this book. Remember, we talked about this when we broke it down, that in the first, I think it was three chapters, that Paul was doing, he was doing doctrine, right? Now, when he left doctrine in chapter four, it was all application, right? Application having to do with how does the, how does what I've learned affect the way that I live, right? And so you have to understand that there were believers in Ephesus, watch this, who were slaves. And so, and so he's not endorsing slavery. He's just instructing those who are slaves how they ought to conduct themselves according to being believers or, belie- or being in Christ, okay? So it's not a biblical endorsement for slavery because people have used that before. People, it's funny, people have used that before to enslave people. Uh, 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 and, to, and, and they use that scripture to, to say, you know, well, see, the Bible endorses slavery and, and it's not wrong. No, no, this is not an endorsement for slavery, number one. And, but number two, people have also used it to, to try to discredit Christianity and say, how can you believe in, 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 in a faith that endorses, you know, slavery and, and, and the betrayal of even your people in America? It's like, no, 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 this is not an endorsement of slavery. He was literally practically teaching People in Ephesus, whether they were slaves or whether they were free, and we, we, we continue to read it, and whether they were masters or not, they were believers. And he was saying, as a believer, if you're a slave, here's what you, and if you're a master, here's what you do. Now, why wouldn't he say, you know, don't do it? I don't know. But I'm just, we're just reading what he instructed them to do. So again, it's not an endorsement of slavery that we're reading, but it, 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 is, it is him instructing people where they are and, and, and what they do and who they are and the dynamics of their life right where they are. Not permissible, but he was teaching in the reality of their time and the reality of their life. Okay, we get that? Just want to make sure that we're clear on that. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, where do we stop? Uh, verse 10. Okay, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, uh, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, now watch this. He says, be strong, what? In the Lord. Remember that, that the whole first part of, of Ephesians, when we talked about this, how Paul was laying down the whole in the Lord. He was like, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus, with it. Christ with us. He laid this whole thing about the adoption and how Christ loved us and redeemed us and our, our redemption, the love, the righteousness, uh, 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 being set apart, being adopted. Remember, he put it out in the first three chapters that it is all contingent on what? Being in Christ, right? So we already established this. But now he's, now that we've already established it in the first half, we're doing, we're doing um, uh, application, right? So he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So again, our ability to be strong, our ability to stand, our ability, the, the power, right? It all comes from where? From being what? In the Lord, in Christ. So he says, be strong where? In the Lord. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now we go to verse 11, because you, you got to remember one of our themes was in Christ, right? And so our strength to stand is found in the Lord. He says, put on the whole armor of God. Now why? Put on the whole armor of God. Why? He explains it. He says that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay, let's take a look at this really quick. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, when you, when you d- define this, uh, this is a little different than like a physical 
attack, and he goes into in, in, into what we're what we're fighting against. But this is different from some sort of aggressive physical altercation. Watch this. Wiles. The definition of this is is a devious or cunning uh, stratagem or strategy. We'll define stratagem in a second. But a devious or cunning stratagem. All right. Watch this. Used in manipulating or persuading someone to do what one wants to lure or entice. So watch this, a stratagem or a wile, when you say the wiles of the devil, it has nothing to do with some kind of physical altercation coming up against you, but it has more to do with a devious, sneaky, cunning way to manipulate you or persuade you to do what you want you to do, to lure or entice. That has everything to do with your head. That's got everything to do with your mind. That's got everything to do with your heart. That Listen, that we have to put on the whole armor of God so that when the devil comes with his cunning, with his, 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 his devious, with his strategy to manipulate us and to persuade us to do what he wants us to do, that the only way to stand against that is to, is to put on the whole armor of God. We have to understand that when we look at some of the, oh, well, the devil did this and the devil's doing that. Man, a lot of the, the, the tricks and the stratagems, as the Bible calls, of, of, the, of, of the enemy, when you talk about wiles of the devil, a lot of that is mental. A lot of that is emotional. A lot of that is our feelings. And it says, in order to stand against the wiles of the devil, his, his, his attempt, watch this, his attempt to manipulate or persuade you to do what he wants. In order to do that, we have to stand uh, in the armor of God. Now, watch this. When we talked about stratagems, right? When we talking about the wiles of the devil. It's a, it's a plan or a scheme, especially used to try to outwit an opponent. Again, the mind game to outwit someone, to try to trick you into doing something that you know you're not supposed to do, to manipulate or persuade you in a way that he wants you to go, even though you know you should not go that way. And so when we're talking about the, the wiles of the devil, it's not even a physical attack is what, is, what, is what Paul is laying out here, that you need to put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes and the strategy of the devil to outwit and to, uh, and to manipulate and to persuade you. Understand that, 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 that what the enemy is trying to do, watch this, has a lot to do with your mind and a lot to do with your heart, a lot to do with your feelings, a lot to do with your emotions. And he is trying to outwit you. He is trying to scheme you. He is trying to manipulate you. And he is trying to persuade you of something that is not the truth of God. And that's why when we deal with these things in our head and we deal with these things that we're hearing and we deal with these things that we're feeling and we know that contrary to the word of God, we know it's coming from the enemy and he's just trying to manipulate you in your mind. He's trying to manipulate. When someone's trying to manipulate someone, they're, tr- they're playing mind games on them, to try to get them to do something uh, and they're trying to trick them, trying to outwit them. And that's what it seems that he is referring to here when he talks about the wiles of the devil. Okay. Let's keep moving. Uh, uh, verse 12, he says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, against powers, and uh, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts in, of wickedness in heavenly places. And so now he is laying out that we don't fight against flesh and blood. This is why he says to stand against the wiles of the devil, the manipulation, the outwitting, the persuading, right? He says, but because we, we do, he said for we, so he says that, but then the next word he says, for we do not wrestle. And so he lays this down and say, you've got to understand what the enemy's trying to do as far as outwit and the wiles of the devil to try to persuade you, to try to manipulate you. Understand that because you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And so, so many times we think that our fight and we think that our battle is against somebody simply because 
um, you know, we have a falling out or we have a disagreement or someone comes and opposes us. And it, and, 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 and it might not, watch this, it might not even be the devil using that person. It could be the devil using that situation to try to outwit you or try to manipulate you or try to persuade you about something that's not true. And so, listen, if, I, if, if, if there's something going on now with, with me and Brenda, I can't, you know, I, I can't sit there and say, oh, the devil is using Brenda. No, it might just literally be a misunderstanding or miscommunication or something that me and Brenda just aren't seeing eye to eye on. Where the devil is starting to use, it might not necessarily be her because we're quick to say, you're letting the devil use you or the devil's using, you know, we're quick to say the devil's using somebody else. But what he might be doing is not using Brenda, but using the situation to now try to manipulate and persuade our, 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 um, uh, uh, thoughts towards one another or our thoughts towards ourselves and try to sow discord or things like that. And there are instances where uh, the enemy, because we've seen in the Bible where the enemy has used humans. And so that can happen as well. But sometimes we're quick to point out the flesh and blood. But what Paul is saying is, is that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So even if the enemy or, or, or evil was coming to me in human form, that my battle is still not against that human. That you mean to tell me that I can win this battle, that even if the, even if the devil or the evil, evil one is is using a human to try to come at me, I still don't fight the human, I fight the evil spirit, right? Not the human, all right? The evil spirit, because that can bring deliverance to that person, right? And I don't even address that, right? And so he says, so we, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now watch this. Now he moves to, to start talking about uh, putting on the armor of God, okay? Uh, and so he says, this is what it takes, right? This is what it takes to stand against the wiles of the devil, watch this, and fight against spiritual wickedness in high places and to fight the spiritual warfare. He says, it's going to take truth. It's going to take righteousness. It's going to take peace. It's going to take faith. It's going to take salvation. It's going to take the word of God, and it's going to take constant prayer. He said, it's going to take all this to fight against the wiles of the devil. Let's read it. He says, he says, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in, in, in the evil day and having done all to stand. He says, now stand therefore. So watch this. He says, uh, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, right? And having done all to stand, right? And doing everything you can. So here we go. He says, stand therefore having, your, uh, having girded your waist with truth. Having put, so we talked about truth. You're going to need truth. He had put, have putting on the breast, the breastplate of righteousness, righteousness, and having um, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, peace. Above all, above all, taking the shield of what? Faith. He said, faith uh, with which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. And with the helmet of what? Salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch this. Praying always pray, and, and continuing to pray. Praying always, he says, with um, all prayer and supplication in the spirit, be wa- being watchful to this end with all perseverance and all supplication for all the saints. And so he says to do this, you're going to have to put on truth. You're going to have to put on righteousness. You're going to have to put on peace. You're going to have to put on faith. You're going to have to put on salvation. You're going to have to put on the word of God. And you're going to have to constantly be in prayer if you're going to have to stand against the wiles of the devil. Has anybody felt like they were in the situation where the devil is in your mind or the devil is in your emotion or is in your feeling? And you can testify that it takes constant prayer, that it takes the word of God, that it takes my faith, that it takes pursuing peace, that it takes understanding my righteousness. It takes truth. It takes the word. It takes all this to fight the fight that's happening inside your mind and the fight, the spiritual warfare. And it does now watch this. He uses this, um, 
analogy because I'm like you'd be in prison writing this letter, very possibly looking at a Roman soldier. Uh, and so that could have made him use this analogy or he just wanted to use something familiar uh, to them. But here's something that is very interesting when you look at this. Let's, let's go to Isaiah. Check out this description of the Redeemer, of Jesus in this prophecy uh, given to Isaiah. I want to go to Isaiah 59. Now watch this. Let's go to Isaiah 59. Um, uh, you can probably start reading from verse 15. You can probably read the whole chapter, but Isaiah 59, um, I'm going to start at uh, 16. Uh, he's talking about, uh, Isaiah's prophesying, he's talking about the, rede- the Redeemer of Zion. He says, he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, watch this, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained for him. Watch this. He's talking about Jesus. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Whoa. This is what it's called. Listen, the, the, the prophets wrote this. Here we go. Here we go before I lose my place. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. Watch this. And a helmet of salvation on his head. This is the prophet saying this about the Redeemer of Zion. Watch this. And, and then Paul now revisits this hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years later after he says, watch this, and a helmet of salvation on his head. I'm still in Isaiah. And he put on the garments. Remember, we're talking about the armor of God, right? He says, so he puts on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as his cloak. This sounds just like what he's talking about when he's talking about the whole full armor of God. He's talking about this. But here, Isaiah is talking about Jesus. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. He goes on and on and on. Watch this. I want to go down to verse 20. He says, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgressions in Jacob, says the Lord. And so I just wanted you to see that he was prophesying about Jesus in the same way, even down to helmet of salvation and breastplate of righteousness, using the exact same language that Paul used when he's describing the armor of God. And so some will look at it and say, you know, he was using this because, you know, of course, being in jail and seeing the Roman soldiers, that people could relate to that. Absolutely. But I think that there's something even deeper and divine in that, in the fact that Isaiah talked about Jesus having the helmet, the helmet of salvation. Uh, and this is years and years before Jesus even came. And this letter to, to the church in Ephesus was written after Jesus had already died, rose, and, 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 and um, died, rose, and then went to heaven. Uh, and so I think that there's something even deeper and divine there in that connection where Isaiah is saying, and he put, put on the helmet of salvation, and he'll have the breastplate of righteousness. And this is literally the, the exact same thing that Paul is saying when he talks about the armor of God and how descriptive it, it was as far as this analogy with his clothing and the cloak with this and that and stuff like that. It reads eerily uh, familiar uh, to that scripture in um, Isaiah. So that's Isaiah 59. Uh, you can start right around 16 or read the whole chapter um, uh, uh, if you like. And so let's see where we are. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Uh, was it Ephesians or was it Galatians we talked about the mystery? I think it might have been Galatians where we talked about the mystery. Or maybe it was Ephesians. We did both of these books back then. They're kind of similar. Um, I know it wasn't James, but it was either Galatians or, or um, Ephesians. Uh, let's see, verse 20. For I, am, for I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, and then he closes out this letter, verse 21. He says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Um, he says, Tychius, 
uh, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. He's just kind of wrapping up. It's called, you know, um, uh, 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 he's uh, kind of wrapping up the letter, letting you know what's going on. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose that you may know our affairs, so you know what's going on with us, uh, that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you, uh, be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And so that's the book of Ephesians. Um, it took us, I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to take us that long to get through it, but it took us a while to get through it. Get through it. I'm not sure right now which, um, which book will be next. I'm flipping between like Colossians um, and, and First and Second Peter. I don't know which one we're going to do next, but um, next Tuesday, you'll know which, which one we're going to do.